Hello to all of my Facebook family and friends and visitors on this Tuesday afternoon coming to you live on Facebook from Tyler, Texas, the downtown area, the home of the West Irwin Church of Christ. This has been our home since 1885. And no, I have not been the preacher quite that long. Some of you are surprised to hear that, but that's not the truth. And so I wanted to welcome you to our study. We're going along with our daily Bible reading from the Daily Bible in Chronological Order. That's edited by F. Lagarde Smith. And it's a wonderful chronological study and opportunity to read through the Bible in a year. And I hope that you're still on track for that. If you've gotten behind a little bit or if you haven't even started yet, just go to today's reading, uh, January 25th, and find today's reading and read today's reading first. And then after you've done that and you have opportunities to catch up, then catch up. But you can start from today and not fall behind, and that's a great thing. Only takes you probably about 15 or 20 minutes, maybe a little longer if you're a slower reader, a little quicker if you're not. And um, in three or four chapters a day, and you're there. So I hope that this has been a, a great opportunity for you to get started with this. We've read through the book of Genesis, and now starting this week, we find ourselves in the book of Exodus. And we move right along pretty quickly. In fact, today, uh, you should be reading about the Passover and uh, the incredible deliverance that God brings uh, to the people of Israel. So a little bit of catching up before we get into the lesson today. Um, as we have seen, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <laughs> Jacob's name changed to Israel. Uh, Israel and his 12 sons and daughter all become the core of the people of Israel. The nation, the family becomes a real nation. And they uh, move to Egypt because of famine and because of the great deliverance that God provided uh, through the life and sacrifice of uh, Joseph, one of Israel's sons. And, uh, and so we are uh, remembering that event and how it brings the people of God to Egypt and with great um, uh, appreciation from the Egyptian people and uh, the uh, pharaohs because uh, they delivered them. They saved their lives in addition to saving their own people's lives and the people of the world. So it was a great, a great thing. But then Exodus begins by saying, then there came to power a pharaoh, a king, who did not know Joseph, who did not remember the great deliverance that Joseph brought that we talked about last week. And this is, of course, uh, uh, 400 years have passed. And now here we are at the time of Moses and Moses and his brother Aaron, sister Miriam, they are descendants of the tribe of Levi. Uh, Levi, one of the sons of Jacob or Israel, uh, and his wife uh, Leah. And so they are descended from Levi, which would become the priestly tribe, but that's getting a little ahead of ourselves, isn't it? So when this Pharaoh comes to power, who doesn't remember the wonderful blessing that Joseph and his people brought, all they see is a threat. And so they begin to enslave the Israelites, and they begin to cry out for deliverance from God, and God takes a long time in coming. But he finally decides that he's ready, and the time is right, and he's going to bring about their deliverance. And it's about this time that we hear about the birth of a boy uh, by the name Moses. And at this time, uh, Pharaoh has told the Israelite midwives who helped them uh, uh, bring about the births of their babies that if it's a boy, kill him. 
uh, and it, and throw the boys in the Nile River. And that's the, that's the view of the Egyptians. But the midwives are faithful to God, and they won't do it. And they tell Pharaoh, hey, the Israelite women, they're, they're strong. I mean, they give birth before we even have a chance to help. And so the, the children are saved, but Pharaoh continues uh, to try to kill them. And so when Moses is born, his mother uh, puts him in a little boat, a little ark, and sets him kind of in the reeds on the bank of the Nile. And sure enough, uh, the daughter of Pharaoh finds him. And uh, Moses' older sister, Miriam, is kind of standing by watching to see what would happen. And when Pharaoh's daughter finds him, she asks uh, her if she should go find an Israelite uh, mother to nurse him until uh, he's ready and weaned uh, to live with Pharaoh's daughter. And she says yes. And so Moses' mother actually raises him from birth, but he is considered the son of Pharaoh's daughter raised in the palace area. And, and he is able those first 40 years to feel all of the blessings and all the greatness that the Egyptian uh, riches could bring. But he still knows who he is, and he still knows who his people are. And so at age 40, he sees an Egyptian uh, beating an Israelite, and he kills him, and he tries to bury him in the sand. And um, then the next day, he sees two Israelites fighting, and he tries to break it up. And one of them says, hey, are you going to kill me like you did the Egyptian yesterday? And so Moses realizes that, um, that his, he's been found out. And it's interesting, even though he flees and he leaves for Midian, this area just to the east of the uh, Sinai Peninsula, to the east of the Red Sea, um, Moses, according to Stephen in Acts chapter 7, Moses thinks that the Israelites would realize that God is delivering them through him at this time. He's ready. He's going to go to bat. He's going to even kill for his people thinking that they'll recognize that he's the great captain, he's the great deliverer, he's the great uh, war general, and, and yet they do not. And so he flees for his life because Pharaoh finds out and he's ready to kill him. So he goes to this land of Midian and he settles there and he takes a wife and he has children. And uh, while he's there, um, he's there for 40 years. And we don't know much about that time period uh, because it's, it's just there's just not much said. The first 40 years of Moses are spent uh, growing up in the, as the, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, the last 40 years are spent, we know a lot about them, guiding the Israelites uh, through the wilderness and to the banks of the Jordan River in the Promised Land before his death at 120. But the middle 40 years we don't know much about, and yet I think that's so important because God is working on Moses during that time. And whereas before he had been a man who was ready to kill for his people, thinking that he would be the guy uh, for the next 40 years, he takes a different turn. And all of this is going along fine until at age 80, he sees something that he cannot understand and comprehend. He sees the burning bush. Now, I have something I want to show you here. This is what is known as a burning bush kit. That's right. It's a burning bush kit. Why do I have this? Well, because two of our wonderful vacation Bible school workers at the Woodland West Church of Christ in Arlington, Texas, years and years ago, uh, Sabra and Jody, we'll call them, uh, they sent off for it. They said, hey, we're going to do uh, Moses 
and uh, for VBS. So let's see if we can do the burning bush. So they found this burning bush kit even before you could go online and find it. They found it and uh, they sent off for it and we got it. And what you do is you get a bush, some kind of branch with some leaves on it, and you soak it in the uh, chemical that's in here and you soak it all night long. And then you light it and for a while it, it is catching fire, but it doesn't burn up, which is really kind of cool. And we tried it. You know, I'm, of course, working with the church that time, working with VBS. And so the three of us get together on a Saturday and we try it out. And sure enough, it works. It doesn't burn up. It's amazing. It's, it's just terrific. So the next day on Sunday, when we're starting out on VBS, we're going to burn, have this burning bush. And so I'm up at the front there in the back and uh, uh, the burning bush is up there at the front. We're telling the story and we're going to set the burning bush on fire. We've had it soaking all night underneath the pulpit. I've got like a blanket and a bucket of water. I've got all kinds of stuff. But here we are in the main auditorium at the very front on the stage where the pulpit is. And we have this bush up there, and now we're telling the story of Moses and the burning bush, and we light the bush in the auditorium. Bill lights the bush in the auditorium. And the bush is burning, but it's not burning up for a few seconds. And then all of a sudden, what happens is the bush starts smoking, and it starts smoking and smoking and smoking. And I'm thinking, well, should I put it out, or maybe I should give it a little bit of time. And Sabre and Jody are in the back of the auditorium thinking, put it out, Bill, put it out, Bill, hurry, hurry. And so finally I do, I put it out, and it was fine. The, the building didn't burn down. However, there was a little bit of smoke that went all the way through the auditorium. Enough so that for weeks you could smell smoke in the Woodland West Church of Christ Auditorium. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, it wasn't very pleasant, but it was a great experience. Makes for a great story. And yes, I still have the Burning Bush kit box that the kit uh, came in. Well, let's go back to 14 or 1500 B.C to uh, the wilderness in Midian and to Moses. And he sees this incredible sight, this bush that's burning, but not burning up. And he says, I need to go take a look. And when he does, he hears a voice come from the bush saying, this is holy ground. Take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. We sing that song sometimes that's taken. This is holy ground. We're standing on holy ground. And so Moses does, and God speaks to Moses out of the bush. And he tells him, Moses, I've heard and I've seen the distress of my people. And so I'm going to send you to deliver my people. I want you to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Well, at this point, we would expect that Moses would say, that's great. I'm your man. According to Acts 7, that's what he had figured 40 years before. But now not so much. Now not so much. You would think that he would be ready to go, but he's not. And so in Exodus 3 and 4, we hear this interchange between God through the burning bush and his servant Moses. God tells him, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him what I tell you to tell him, which is let my people go so that they can worship me. And Moses says, well, who am I? Who am I that I should do that? A far cry from where he was 40 years before. Who am I? And God answers his excuse. I will be with you. I'll tell you who you are, Moses. You are my chosen servant. This is not going to happen because of your great power and ability. It's going to happen because of mine, the eternal God, and I will be with you. 
Well, next excuse. Moses offers a series of excuses here in Exodus 3 and 4. The next one is this. What if I go to this people and I tell them I've talked to God and he's sent me back here to lead you out of Pharaoh's clutches and they don't believe me and they ask me, okay, what is this God's name that talked to you? I don't even know your name. And that's when God says, I am that I am. Eternal presence, the great I am. First time we come across that, and it becomes God's special name uh, throughout biblical history, and especially in the Old Testament times. I am that I am. It's four Hebrew letters, Y-H-W-H. Some have added some uh, English consonant uh, vowels to it to come up with Yehovah or Jehovah. Others call it Yahweh, Y-A-H-W-E-H, Yahweh. Uh, but for the Jews, they only had consonants in their alphabet in the Old Testament times. And this name became so sacred to them that they stopped pronouncing it out loud. And so because of that, it's a mere guess as to how it was originally actually spoken. But it's Y-H-W-H called the Sacred Tetragrammaton, those four letters that are God's name uh, that are translated Lord uh, in some translations and uh, Jehovah and some others, but it is that sacred name of God, the great I am. Interestingly enough, Jesus almost gets stoned to death uh, in John chapter 8 because he makes this statement before Abraham was, I am. And the Jewish leaders understood exactly what he was saying, and they were ready to kill him over it. Would have been blasphemy unless it were true, and he really was the great I am, and we know that he was. For now, though, Moses hears this. God says, you tell them I am, eternal presence, existence. I am that I am is my name. Well, still not enough for Moses. Then he comes up with, well, what if they don't believe me? And so God says, okay, Moses, what's in your hand there? My staff. Okay, throw it down on the ground and it becomes a snake. Now pick it up. That's where God might have lost me. Pick it up. And so he does and it goes back to being his staff. And he tells him, take your hand and put it inside your cloak. And then when he takes it back out, it's leprous, white as snow. And, and he says, okay, put it back in. And he puts it back in and it comes back healthy and uh, normal flesh once again. And God tells him, look at it. And if they don't accept those two signs, then pour some water on the ground and it'll become blood. And we know that that becomes one of the 10 plagues that we'll read more about on Thursday. Um, who am I? I'll be with you. I, I don't even know your name. I am the great I am. Well, what if they don't believe me? Well, I'll give you some signs that will accompany. And then Moses says, well, look, I, I don't talk good. <laughs> I never have. I've never been eloquent. I've always been slow of speech. I, 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 just, I just don't talk good. And then God says, who made your mouth? Who made your mouth, Moses? Who made man's mouth? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be able to speak through you. It's going to be okay. And finally, when God has answered the other excuses, Moses doesn't even offer an excuse. He simply says this, send someone else. Send someone else. Basically, I, I'm done here. And God responds by basically saying, I'm done too, Moses. You're going. You're going. And that's basically what he says. Nope. Sending you and sending your brother Aaron with you, he'll be the one to speak for you. You're going to be like a God before Pharaoh, and Aaron will be like your messenger, your spokesperson, your servant. 
and um, and 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 we are done here, Moses, because you are going. And to Moses' credit, as you know, he does. He goes. And he goes to the Israelites. He meets Aaron on the way. And, and they go before the Israelites. And they are all excited for this. And then Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh and says, God says, let my people go so that they can worship me and come back. And Pharaoh says, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And then he gets mad at the Israelites and he says, I know what, You're, you guys are lazy. You, you just don't want to work. That's why Moses and Aaron are coming here to saying, you want to break? You want to go out and worship? Well, I tell you what, I'm going to make your job harder. I want you to have the same quota of bricks, not one less, but I want you to have to gather all the supplies. I want you to go find the straw. And when the Israelites hear that, they realize that Pharaoh is mad at them, but it's because of Moses. And so now they're mad at Moses and they say, what are you doing? You just made our plight worse. That should have been a little indication to Moses of what the next 40 years was going to be like. Because all along the way, as you know, and as we'll see over the next couple of weeks, they will complain and gripe and whine all along. Uh, well, at this point, we find ourselves in Exodus chapter 7, and it's here that Moses and Aaron go back to Pharaoh, and they begin to challenge him with the ten plagues, which ends ultimately with the plague of the firstborn that is commemorated, uh, and their deliverance is sealed by the Passover, when God passed over the Israelites' homes and killed the firstborn of the people and the livestock, the nation of Egypt. And so we'll get to talk about that uh, on Thursday. But for now, I, I wouldn't recommend this, just saying, but I would recommend you going and talking to and, and serving obediently the God who actually spoke from a burning bush, a bush that burned but did not burn up, and called Moses this very hesitant hero who thought he was the guy. And then 40 years later at age 80 decided, I'm not the guy at all. And that's when God says, okay, Moses, now, now, now you're ready. God can do the same with you. Look forward to seeing you again on Thursday afternoon as we talk about the Passover and the ten plagues, and the deliverance uh, of the Israelites from Egyptian bondage. God bless.